3: Good morning everyone. I am here with Coach Landry. Dave is actually off today, which uh, he's doing his, you know, dad thing, which is awesome. So we wish him luck going traveling out of town. Um, So welcome to the show. Hope everyone's having a great morning. It's just Coach Landry and myself today. So let's get to it. This is the Down and Dirty at 30. Coach Landry, how are you?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's good to be with you as always and uh, good to talk to our great listeners. And Hope everybody's doing well.
3: Yes, absolutely. And we will be taking your questions today or Coach Landry will be taking your questions today because he is the genius that gives us all the college football and professional football and any kind of football information out there. So the Down and Dirty at 30 is brought to you by Honeybee Coffee. And I know I drink it every morning. Love it. Dave and I had a meeting there yesterday. It's just really good coffee. I mean, it's just, it is. It's just really good coffee. Um, add a cappuccino. Really good. All you need is one. All you need is one. All right. So Aaron Judge finally hit 61, Coach Landry.
2: Yeah, I've been, uh, you know, we were talking before we went on. I've been watching it, uh, you know, every night as I'm doing my work and got it on one of my monitors. And uh, as he comes up, he's been hitting leadoff. And so he starts the game and and he, he gets multiple chances. And it's been kind of frustrating because he hadn't had many good pitches to hit. And he's been walked a lot and he's really handled it. Just such a class guy. But so I'm sitting there and I'm kind of dozing off and, but I just catch it. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm five minutes away from being, you know, uh, out and he hits it. And it was, it was great, obviously. And, uh, got the uh, for folks who didn't see it. I'm sure you'll see it on the highlights the Toronto crowd and Toronto's still fighting for a wild card spot. So they had, you know, something to play for it, but their, their crowd gave them a, you know, an ovation, uh, for people. I know people to follow this stuff. So, It's some poor guy that that had a chance to catch it, and he was apoplectic as it drops right into the Toronto bullpen, and uh, they ended up giving the ball, of course, to Aaron Judge. So people always uh, are looking at that. Now it you got Baltimore coming up in New York to see if he can get 62, and he's in the the Triple Crown race, which is probably as big. What a year he's had, and uh, the the Yankees watching him. You know, up until around the 4th of July, they were they were looking like the best team in baseball. And then they really struggled a lot of injuries. But uh, Aaron Judge has been rock steady all year long. I
3: mean, he, he really has. And I think a lot of people are kind of excited for him to get it over with because especially, please do it before Saturday. Please do it. Because I could not stand it. Like, I don't, you know, I don't follow baseball that much. My husband's a Brewers fan, but sitting there and having my whole Saturday just, like, split screen every so often, I'm just no. going, please just stop. Just let him hit it. I think they have a game on Friday, tomorrow night. Yes, yes. Yes, so let's all hope and pray. He so you were one night. of
2: those folks. You, 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 I know on Twitter went crazy because stop breaking into my football game. heard somebody say, you know, stop breaking into the Missouri-Auburn game. And I'm like, I'm watching that Missouri-Auburn game. I mean, you can break in it with desperate housewives and I'd be satisfied. I mean, that was was a bad game. But, no, uh, a lot of people were frustrated by that. So, yeah, hopefully they can get it out of the way. And uh, I know he'd be glad, too.
3: I know he would. What do you think this means for Aaron Judge, for Yankees, for baseball in general, especially given – the, the major hitters we've seen have all been you know later found out with the steroids and the HDH and all of that stuff. So what would what would him breaking this record mean for the sport?
2: I thought it was a very interesting comment by Roger Maris's son. So he's interviewed of course he's been with Aaron judge's mom and all that the whole way I'm sure he's probably glad because he'd get back to his life but yeah. he said, I think they should look. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. They should look at Aaron Judge as the true home run leader. Now, remember, he was there in the in the midst of the hugging Mark McGuire and the Sammy. Sa- he was, but we all, in retrospect, see that differently. And that was his way of saying, Aaron Judge. We should look at him as the true home run king. You know, up with my dad and up with with the great Babe Ruth because, and Hank Aaron, the great Hank Aaron, of course, because they did it legitimately. We know Aaron's done it legitimately because we have obviously different rules in terms of drug testing. And I think that's how a lot of people are going to see it. And he even made the the note, strong note that Major League Baseball needs to do something about it, meaning asterisk or whatever they want to do. And I don't know if they're going to do that, but I thought that was a strong statement for the son of Roger Maris, who was clearly in the corner of Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa at the time that he's kind of looking at it and says, well, this is legitimate. That really wasn't. I thought that. Yeah. Volumes.
3: Absolutely. And um, this segment is brought to you by craft treats, which clearly my dog and my mother-in-law's dog might need as, I don't know if you can hear them, but they are going at each other behind me.
2: (laughs) Craft treats. Yeah, no, she's a true professional when she's dealing with a knucklehead like me. And she's got dogs and animals just going at it. And she's just the pro, just dealing with it, running the show like a pro.
3: Trying to skate, <laughs> skate on by that, but the Craft Treats has the CBD cannabinoid oils for your dog. It'll calm them down. Arthritis, no problem. Also, hit that like and subscribe. Share to your friends. Share to anybody you know that loves Tennessee or football in general. We are here every day, 830 to 10, Monday through Friday. So, let is, let's just move on to... So, the game... The Dolphins and the Bengals play tonight. Thursday night football. Uh Tua and Waddle are both considered questionable for the game. But before we go into that, let's let's all just give a, a prayer, moment of silence, you know, what just to yourselves. Whatever what have you for Hurricane Ian landed yesterday, a destroyed, I mean, made a lot of damage more than I think they even thought that it would. I know it destroyed the beach that I got married on. It actually touched like down Fort Myers. I saw the buildings and I'm like, I know what that is. And this is, and this is. And so it's just really, really sad. And a lot of people, you know, are, are putting stuff out there on Twitter, but praying for those people. And also do not go swimming in your house. That's probably not something that you should do. And that's not, I'm not a, you know, professional I'm not a doctor. I'm not anything like that. But it doesn't seem like a great idea to swim in your house. So what say you, Coach Landry?
2: Yeah, I, um, somebody sent me something. And I, I, that when you have these floods so massive, you can't, you can't figure out which what. But the video was, they said a highway. I don't know if it was interstate or not. But it wasn't really clear. But you can see in there what was very clear shark swimming yes. in what was the highway and it's like so to your point you don't know what the heck's in there um uh, hopefully you know people have uh, evacuated if they didn't you're right uh, you know growing up around hurricanes and in, in, uh, in south Louisiana I, I just it's a it's a knot in my stomach every time one potentially could come our way or to someone else and to see that it's just heartbreaking and. It's very, very dangerous. The the power of floods, it's just incredible. And then the other things that people don't think of that we none of us think of, it's like I'm watching on the news last night. There's this house that immediately goes in flames. What happened? Well, a transformer goes down and a live wire hits the house and it engulfs into flame like a like a dried-out Christmas tree, which a light of match to. And it just just destroyed it within fifteen minutes. Just and it's things like that that you you know if one thing doesn't get you, it's another. You've got uh, a lot of tornadic activities, which guys in Tennessee know a lot about. That's always kind of born out of these hurricanes. So I just pray for everyone. And then you know, Florida, as you know, is, man, such a narrow state. So when you when you get the the west coast gets hit, it doesn't take long to go to the east coast and then jump into the Atlantic and then then what and then is it going to georgia is it going to the carolinas you know um uh, so there's a lot of things that could be affected and least of all that's of important is the football games this weekend but uh yeah just just to everybody out there
3: yeah ab- absolutely um and i know we said or er, the people in florida whenever you have to to you know put more things in your house when you have to Replace all of that stuff after the hurricane. The mattress place is a great place to go for your mattress needs. For for all of that, they have great prices. Just you know, go to the mattress place on Chapman Highway. And let's actually, before we get to the Monday or the Thursday night game, let's go in with Tennessee. So Tennessee ranks first in total offense per the NCAA per NCAA.com. They have 303 plays, 2,237 yards, averaging 7.38 yards per play with 26 touchdowns and 559.2 yards per game. That's insane to me. Like that, that offense is, I mean, we all watch it. We see it. Um, That offense is crazy to me just to watch. So How long can Tennessee sustain this? Like, how long is this – are they able to run this type of offense and and put up these kind of numbers?
2: Well, they're going to play better competition, better defenses going forward. But I tell you, I don't think their offense has played anywhere near their best yet. I mean, I think even that, if you look at it, I didn't think they had much rhythm against Florida early because Florida kept the football. Certainly, they were – Really good against, you know, uh, Akron and Ball State, um, as you might expect. Um, but they were a little bit out of rhythm against Pitt, so I, I think their best offense is going forward. Now the numbers may not stay quite the same because you're playing against better defenses, but um, I think their ability to run the football uh, and the ability to make explosive plays in the passing game is is a tough combination. I know that really good defensive coordinators struggle with an offense like this because you've got to match the tempo and you've got to handle things on the fly, I mean, you just can't substitute as freely. You can't adjust. And sometimes even when you have the right call defensively, you can't get lined up quick enough, Amanda. And that's kind of the beauty and and the, the lethal nature of this Tennessee offense is the speed in which they do it. You know it's how they do it not really what they do and um they're very very effective Hendon hookers playing well i know we'll talk about him uh mm-hmm. and then you know their best receiver well i think brew mccoy and, and and their most polished receiver they didn't even play last game out so i think there's potential even for more growth for this offense
3: yeah i think you're i think you're right on that um I don't think we've even seen the best that they have. And I know Crazy Nugs is saying those stats are mind-boggling. They really are because you couldn't imagine these stats being this way, especially not in the SEC, what, 10 years ago? No. This, this would have been crazy.
2: You know, yeah, foot, everyone football's was – has changed. You're right. Football it, has absolutely changed. It's because – and the reason is because the rules are allowing it. I mean, the RPL game has changed it because – literally the blocking downfield is an illegal play but when it's an rpo it's not a run it's not a pass it's a run pass option and they there's a lot of leeway and you know you all hear the famous comment that nick saban said well this is not how football's supposed to be it's you know this is how we want it and then he said that's the way they're gonna call it i'm gonna do some of that myself and and so it's you know and it's one of the reasons why you're seeing some of it in the nfl but in the NFL, they call downfield blocking a little bit more. So it favors the offense. So get you some and go out. And this is what Josh does. It's what he believes in. And that's why, you know, they are kind of uh, unique. And the other thing, too, they just, they really work the field horizontally so well with those wide splits. So they really attack defenses very well. And the numbers are astounding.
3: They really are. And speaking of get you some, (laughs) zolbeer.com Get you some of that. Uh, Zool Beer is downtown, located on East Fifth. Great beer, craft beer. You know, every day of the week, go down there. They have to-go stuff. Grab it. It's it's the best beer in town, hands down. So let's get to after the. We'll go to Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker is the sixth-ranked uh, quarterback in power rankings. Now he sits behind C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Drake May from North Carolina, which is a, a random
2: a, a freshman, a freshman, a true freshman that is, you know, killing it at North Carolina. Yes,
3: I mean he really is. Have we seen what is it? Trubisky came from North Carolina.
2: Mitch Trubisky came in, but he, yeah. you know, he was a late bloomer, and and some may say he was still trying to bloom in the NFL. But Drake Mays, he's better than the Sam Howell kid that came out of North Carolina um, last. So he's really, really good. They don't play much defense, but he is very good. And uh, they've, they've got a lot of weapons, too.
3: Yeah. And listeners, we will get we will get to your questions, I promise, and Crazy Nugs. Yeah, I'll get to that, too. Um, But we're going to go down this list, and I just want Coach Landry's opinion on which quarterback he would take out of this list and why he'd take them. So at number four, we have Caleb Caleb Williams with the USC. Um, Number five, Grayson McCall with Coastal Carolina. Mm -hmm. So that some of these names are kind of just crazy to me. Hinton Hooker falling in at number six. Uh, Jalen Daniels with Kansas. Never thought I'd see a Kansas quarterback on this list, but here we are. This is the new day in in sports, new day in college football. We have uh, number eight, Dylan Gabriel out of Oklahoma. Number nine, Todd Santio. Santio.
2: Yes, yes. James Uh,
3: Madison.
2: James Madison, uh, obviously big win last week over App State.
3: Yeah, which is, and somebody on college game day, I don't remember who it was, called it. And I was like, well, eh. but, but I mean, it's true. It it happened. So that's pretty crazy considering App State be texting him. It's, it's been a cycle this year. It like it's been a cycle. It's been, I think a little bit more so than it normally is. I see some, you see some upsets, but not like you've seen this year. Um, and number 10, fall on at number 10 is Tanner Morgan from Minnesota. Again, not a school I would expect to be on this list. So do you think with the QB power rankings, do you think they're necessarily in order of skill set, or do you think it's more just numbers?
2: Uh, it's, it's more numbers and it's more style and scheme of play. You know, a lot of, uh, you know, people will say, well, you know, who do you like the best? And, well, it depends on what we're talking about. We're talking about college quarterback, a pro prospect. Those are different answers to different questions. I think what's important, too, and this is kind of the the, the real secret sauce of scouting and evaluating, is how does a player fit into a certain system? You know, so, you know, Hannon Hooker's a great fit at Tennessee, uh, but he's different than some other quarterbacks. Uh, of the guys that are – really good that fit their system but has a tremendous skill set to even do things on a different level. I'd probably say CJ Stroud of Ohio state loaded with talent. Um, that's a receiving core. That's the best in the country. Um, Ohio state, you know, improved defensively. They can get three good running backs. CJ Stroud's special. I mean, he's he can, it's a different, a uh, little different offense than, than what Tennessee runs. Um, but he's really good. Caleb Williams is outstanding. You mentioned um, uh, Jalen Daniels from Kansas. Lance Lapole's done a great job with him, and they run a lot of RPO and a lot of option stuff with him. So, you know, with Hendon Hooker, it's it's more it's more of a passing game. It's more of a quick passing game. It's a one read type of offense. But he's very very good at it, and I I, I know that Tennessee probably wouldn't trade uh, him for anybody. Um, and, and probably some of those other teams certainly wouldn't trade their guys for you know, anybody either. That's just kind of the way it is, but that's a good list, and you know, yet we haven't even talked about the guys who may be some of the better pro prospects, a guy that Tennessee's going to face this year, and Will Levis of Kentucky, who's more of a pure dropback guy that has better pro potential um, and is really doing a good job for a Kentucky team that's got a big matchup this week, by the way, against Ole Miss. Of throwing the football all across the yard so yeah there's a lot of good ones but statistically the numbers are not going to be there because they have a completely different style of offense uh, the numbers are good but they're not as gaudy because it's a different style
3: yeah i mean that's that is very true it is a different style of offense um going to the kentucky old miss game we talked will levis i i have kind of a, a a thing against Will Levis and that's just his coffee style. I just I'm a very big coffee <laughs> oh, person. He's,
2: he's the guy that put the mayonnaise in the coffee? Uh, oh that's disgusting. Uh, yeah. That's that's really uh that, that that'll that'll turn people's stomach early in the morning, huh? Yeah, that was pretty when? bad yeah i yes. forgot about that you i forgot completely about that i was wondering yeah. where is she gone with that <laughs> the coffee
3: <laughs> oh, that coffee thing and the good thing though about you know coffee that you don't have to put mayonnaise in is honeybee coffee that's that's, a good that's, coffee. that's what he
2: needs to be on is honeybee coffee yeah stop if that you... nonsense with the with the mayonnaise
3: no get some honeybee coffee will Levis, and call it a day so for today's tough question coach landry i'm thinking let's go with like, who would you rather what quarterback would you rather have
2: out of that group it would be cj stroud um i think he can do more things uh running and throwing and i think um uh, i would take him um i would probably take um as a college quarterback Again, you know, in, in Tennessee's system, I think Hendon Hooker's outstanding. His next-level guy, different. I'd probably put somebody like Will Levis or even Caleb Williams as some as guys that can do a little bit more. Caleb Williams is obviously the former uh, Oklahoma quarterback that's gone out to USC. has been really good. But all those guys that you mentioned are having really good years. You know, like Tanner Morgan, for example, is, is – He's done a really good job for Minnesota. I think they're the best team in the Big Ten West. Um, but I don't think he's – you know, they, his numbers are largely due to a very weak schedule, uh, although they blew out Michigan State. So let's give him credit for that. But, yeah, I think all that uh, that group that you mentioned is a pretty good group.
3: Yeah, they definitely are. What do you think makes Hinden? As good as he is. I know it's Hypel's offense has a lot to do with it, but what are his attributes? What is, what does he have that makes him work in Heupel's offense so well?
2: Well, I think he does, you know, it's a one read offense predominantly, but you know, the difficulty is the tempo and the poise and the leadership. I think that's what stands out um, to me for that. He does. Uh, you know, making sure that things are handled at the line of scrimmage well and he gets the, the ball off quickly, gets it to the right guy. Again, it's a lot of predetermined stuff. So he's not going through progressive reads. But, you know, and I think, you know, um, while his accuracy has been questioned at times, and, and fairly so, you know, he's he's been pretty effective. The, the biggest thing, though, is the poise and to this stage and, I'm going to reach for some wood, knock on it. He has not turned the football over. And you know, that that's, what's pivotal. You you can be a really good offense and score a bunch of points. If you turn the football over, it's diminishing returns. So it's the ability to be able to move the team quickly, get in the scoring position um, and also not turn it over. That is critically important. And so I think that's what he does. Well, in short, He just runs this offense well, and you can't assume, even though it's quarterback friendly, that just anybody can do it. That is not the case. Um, He has learned. He is a really good young man. He is very smart, and he's really picked things up very quickly uh, in Josh's offense. So I I think he's much more comfortable running it now than he was last year.
3: So question on that case, do you think – Is Hendon Hooker more successful in, like, Josh Heupel's offense? Would he be as successful in a different type of offense? Would he be more successful in a different type of offense? Um, How do you think those two affect each other? I know he fits well, but do you think that there's a different type of offense that he would fit better, or do you think this is his ultimate fit?
2: I think it's just the best fit here. I think when you have to go into – Uh, a different style of offense where you've got to make, you know, progressive reads. He can learn how to do that, but that's not what they ask him to do. And it's not really what he's best at. I think a precision style passing offense where the ball has to come out, you know, uh, on time, all the time and accurately probably wouldn't fit him as well here. There's a lot of spacing horizontally that creates a lot of opening. So there's a lot of completions, even when the ball is not thrown exactly on time or within the range of what we call accurate, but still is a completion. So I think he definitely benefits from this offense and I don't think he'd be as effective in other offenses. The other thing is I don't think he'd be really good where you, you know, emphasize more of the quarterback runs and stuff. I You know, I think he could do some of that, I just don't think he'd be as effective. I think this offense fits him the best.
3: There's a lot of talk about Hinton Hooker and possibly winning the Heisman. And it's not just Tennessee you know, fans. It's not just people who, who want to see that happen. I mean, there's a lot of talk everywhere about that. So how do you feel? Do you think that he could possibly win this thing? Do you think he's a, a legitimate candidate do you think he'll make it to new york
2: well as of right now he's definitely a candidate there's a bigger pool of those guys you have mentioned some of them some of them we hadn't really talked about that that are i think are contenders here's the thing though and i know it's a discussion all the time that we talk about it's just it's november that really determines it so so what really happens is yes he has done enough to this point because tennessee's four and oh and he's played well. They just came off of beating Florida, so he's the hot guy this week. And you know he's in the mix. But the answer to whether he'll do it is really projecting how they're going to do the rest of the season. Are they going to go into Baton Rouge and beat LSU? And he plays well, you will he'll, he'll be even you know higher up on these so-called Heisman lists. But you know if you you get beat by Alabama and he doesn't play well, or it get beat by Georgia and, you know, maybe and Well, then one week knocks a guy out and puts somebody else in its place. So I think for all of them, not just Hendon, it's great. They're in a position, but all you need to do is just continue to play. And there's – look, history tells us that it's going to be somebody that's on a really good team that wins pivotal games in november probably wins their conference and oh by the way he also plays well now is tennessee going to do those things i don't think tennessee's going to win their division or their conference um is hendon possibly could have gaudy numbers and go 10 and 2 and lose to those two teams closely and still be invited perhaps but it's really hard to forecast at this point because The answer to that comes later in the season in those games. So right now it's just a lot of fun to say, yeah, he's a candidate, he's a candidate, but I think he could put him in that short list right now, which again, doesn't mean anything.
3: Yeah. Tennessee season coming up, coming forward. Obviously it's a bye week this week, which I think a lot of people are happy about. I know after you play a team like Florida, especially as, as, hard-hitting, as crazy as that game is, as emotionally charged as that game is. You want some time maybe to rest, maybe to get your players back. Cedric Tillman, you know, he was out for the game. So going forward with that, what do you think Tennessee stands to gain from this week as far as injuries are concerned, as far as, you know, people um, getting people back? to make them better? Or do you think that the off-week is, is something that sometimes makes teams worse?
2: Well, you know, bye weeks are what they are. The, ideally, you like them later because you have more attrition and, and you might want to, but but sometimes you, you, you take it where you can get it. So here's where they are. Here's what you want to do in a bye week. A, you, you can get guys back injury-wise, hopefully, if, if, if they're not season-long injuries, of course, but I always use the bye week to self-scout. And, and basically what that means is you study your team as if you were playing your team. And then what you try to do is break tendencies. So if you are formationally doing certain things and certain down and distance field position, you, you try to understand that's what you're doing and that's what opposing teams are seeing. So we'll try to do something a little different. The other thing you can do is try to work certain aspects of your team, clean things up. Special teams, sloppiness. Um, You know, I, I think you can use a little bit of time to rest, but I also think this early in the season, Amanda, I used to like to go good on good. I, I used to try to put ones versus ones and I used to do that when we played like a, an Akron or a Ball State. Okay, so you're not going to play a good opponent this week. So let's put ones against ones, which don't happen very often in practice, work a little bit of that because that kind of substitutes maybe the lack of opponent that you're going to play this week if it's a weak opponent or, in this case, a bye. I think there are different ways you can do to get better because let me just say this. I think for all the platitudes and they deserve them, you are 4-0, you you're 4-0, and and that's that. Um, But this team defensively has got a ways to go. They're sloppy on special teams. And I'm going to tell you, I think they're going to have to play better than they have to beat LSU on the road. And so now you've got to focus on getting better. What can you do to get better so that you can beat? And again, whether you win or not is relative to two things, right? I mean, it's it's how you play, but you can play really poorly in some aspects and still win the game. It doesn't make you better. It just has maybe has something to do with how that team played or you can play a really good game and lose, you know? So what you, you can't judge your team by the wins and losses. You have to judge them on how they play to the standard that you set in all three facets. And if you do that, then you feel like your chances of coming out ahead in any game is obviously the best chance. You don't want to get into developing bad habits and being sloppy team because that's going to get you. It just, it just is. Um, I thought last week, Arkansas and A&M and breaking down the tape, neither one of them looked good. Neither one of them played good. Neither one of them should be happy. I mean, Arkansas is more frustrated because they lost the game, and they were dominating the game early, and they made mistake after mistake after mistake. But I don't look at it as, man, A&M's figured it out now. I still think they got holes. I think they still think they might have trouble this week against Mississippi State. They're going to have to play a lot better to beat them. So from Tennessee's standpoint is, look, it's great. You beat Florida. We discussed it, you know, early in the week. They really let Florida back in a game that Florida had no business being in. They defensively, this Tennessee team is not good enough yet. I don't know if they're going to be good enough all year long to beat the teams that they need to beat. I think it's the LSU game is big. Because I think if you win that, I don't like to look ahead. But I do think that the SEC East is soft. Vanderbilt, Missouri, and South Carolina, shame on you if you don't win all three of those games. I mean, that to me is games that Tennessee in no way, shape, or form should lose. Because those teams are not good enough to beat Tennessee. Tennessee can only lose it if they play poor. But I think Kentucky and LSU can beat Tennessee. Tennessee can beat them. So that, to me, that game is maybe the first step. If you take care of business with all those other games, then that gets you in a possibility where maybe you can be a 9-3 team. you beat, beat both them and Kentucky, you can be 10-2. and I don't think it's realistic to think. Just like I don't think it's realistic for those three teams that I mentioned to beat Tennessee, I don't think Tennessee really realistically can beat Georgia or Alabama. I think those teams would have to really play poorly. But, you know, you can't worry about that. You have to play your best game. And I think most fans would be thrilled with 10-2. and two. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't know. But and that's kind of how I see them. And so that's what I think needs to be done in the bye week. Uh, in addition to the other things, you can spend a little extra time on recruiting. You got to do it. Staff has no bye week. Trust me. The players have a little time off. The staff doesn't.
3: Right. So let's go back to today's cut tough question. We put that up. College football, QB power rankings, Hendon Hooker sits six six behind CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Drake May, Caleb Williams, and Grayson McCall. Which QB would you take to lead your team? Four options, Bryce Young, Caleb Williams, CJ Stroud, or Hendon Hooker. So we have put that out for you guys today. Let's go. When we come back, we will take the questions and Crazy Nug says, I wish they would put cameras in the helmet so we could see what the QBC's. Ain't that the truth?
2: Oh, I got I, I got would. I got a comment on that after because they actually we have that. It's just not used in games. I'll tell you about that uh when we come yes. back.
3: Yes. That's a and great Coach, that's a great thought. Yes. Coach Landry will tell you about that when we come back. We'll cover Tennessee's defense and we will take your questions when we come back.
4: Gary Viles here Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vassy Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasty, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassies, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. This is Steve Rain. I own the Midnight Oil and Michelin Tire Direct Service Station here in Ottawa. It's not a fancy place, never has been, but it's a clean place with clean restrooms and good folks who work here.
3: All right. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, Coach Landry. All right. Let's get to Crazy Nug's question about those helmets. And he says he wishes they would put cameras in the helmet so we could see what the QB sees. Coach Landry, you said they have the technology. Give us a little insight on that.
2: Yeah. We've not, uh, they've not put them, uh, for fan viewing on TV. That's interesting. Who knows? Maybe down the road they will, but there is that technology now that it fits right at the, on the top of the helmet. It's a little camera and it's done from a teaching standpoint and and not everybody uses it, but I think they should. Uh, and, and because what happens is when a quarterback will come over or even when you watch film, you'll say, what, what are you looking at? And they say, well, I didn't see him. Well, as a coach, you got to know whether he's looking at it and he doesn't see it, meaning he doesn't understand it, or he's looking at the wrong place. And that little camera helps you determine where the problem is because you can't fix it or teach it unless there's a problem. Coaching is teaching. So if you don't understand a math problem, what is it that you're not getting? You got to break it down so that you can teach them. So it's like, or you're looking at the wrong place. Again, you should be looking here. Or if you're looking at the right place and you're not seeing it, you know, okay, what do you, you're looking at the right place. How did you not see them? And so that really helped you. And it's a really good teaching tool. Um, there's some other things that are done. Uh, it's the, it's a little different than what Crazy Nuts is bringing up, but, or is that that a that, that guy's name? I forgot. I've got the name yeah. here. So, crazy Nugs. Crazy Nugs. So. There's this virtual stuff too, where you can literally see. You can l- put like video of a defense in, and a quarterback can like see it just in a room uh, virtually, which is is good to help recognition and eye skills. I tell you, one of the things when I was running the combine, we always, after about two years, we began to run a series of eye test, not just the typical eye. We do run the typical eye test you take when you go to the doctor, but other things. There's a visual acuity, meaning they'd have like certain little flashes that you'd have to recognize by moving your hands based upon peripheral view. And it's things like that that helps, A, it trains your eyes. Eyes have muscles. And sometimes you just, you don't, you don't see things. So a lot of this virtual stuff, it's, it allows you to train your eye to be looking. It's like any muscle. So, no, that's a good thought. I, I think fans would probably like it. And, uh, you know, there have been. I'm trying to think there have been some views that they've put in, but I don't know if they put one on the helmet in TV for the fan viewing. But it is done very often in practice settings, and it's very helpful from a teaching standpoint.
3: Yeah, and if you have problems seeing, you know where you won't have problems seeing? is big orange phillies you can see all the tvs there plenty of them see the game anytime you know on a saturday you're feeling froggy jump to big orange phillies and excellent i know dave talks about the wings all the time but the phillies are actually really really good
2: so right
3: yes visit big orange phillies and before you do that like subscribe you can share, you can tweet, you can whatever. This channel, we appreciate everyone's input and everyone's chat. And so good morning, Orange Blood. We're going to get to some of the questions. And if you have questions for Coach Landry, let's just send them in. So I'm going to go to John Hill. And to set this up, we're actually have the, you know, the defense, Tennessee's defense is ranked 96 in the nation which is is disappointing i think for a lot of tennessee fans and i know maybe the offense has something the style of offense has something to do with that the way that they play so john wants to know what were our defensive schemes during the florida game too much zone definitely too soft
2: well they did play a lot of zone in the game um the first thing you got to do defensively is you got to stop the run it's the easiest way to get beat and if if you remember i don't know if if orange blood was was listening to us pregame when we talked about the game the 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 key that i said for tennessee defensively going into the florida game is can you defend the run and this is going to be a challenge for tennessee all year long but it was a key can you defend the run with seven because if you can't and you got to put extra numbers in the box that's going to make you vulnerable on the back end so you play some zone, you play it soft to prevent the big play. I, I think that you've got to mix things up a little bit more. But I, I just think that, yeah, the is a factor, but it wasn't the real factor in the game against Florida. It's, to me, uh, personnel deficiencies, the uh, inability. And people say, well, you didn't defend the run all that bad. Well, no, it's not about numbers. It's if you got to put extra numbers to stop the run, that makes you vulnerable against the pass. I don't think they can cover very well um you know that statistic keep in mind and i think statistics can be skewed but in this case that's considering the pay akron Ball state a pit team that had their quarterback starting quarterback out of the game for a half and a florida team that really can't throw it very well and you hear all week man florida found their, their passing game this week they found it against tennessee because tennessee's not really good in covering. So I think there's some issues here, which is why I said, you know, LSU's trying to find themselves. They're trying to think they threw the football very effectively and ran it against a much better Mississippi state defense. So you got to be prepared for that. If you're Tennessee going up against LSU, but so I think that this Tennessee team is going to have to win games this year with their offense, meaning they're going to have to get leads. They're going to have to force people to, well, they're they're trailing in games, so we can't run the football. We're going to have to throw it. So at least you eliminate half of what the opposing offense is going to do. And you can concentrate on just coverage. <clears throat> but if you have balance, which Florida did, then it causes a lot of problems for Tennessee's defense, particularly if you can run it. Because if you're running it, what does that do, folks? That gives less possessions for the Tennessee offense which less possessions is less chances to score and more chance that you will lose your offensive rhythm because this is a rhythm-based offense. Um, All offenses are, but particularly this one. So I think those are the things you got to look at and and be concerned about going forward. And this is why I say it, look, it's is a good team. I think it's going to have a really good year. It's going to win, I think, a number of games. But it is flawed. I think that I would, and I I did this on my SEC football and beyond show this week. Pump the brakes on the, you know. I think people are setting them. Tennessee fans, maybe some, Amanda, maybe setting themselves up for look out, look out, Georgia, look out, Alabama. I don't think you're there yet. Okay, I think, you know, you. It's always possible to to win a game like that, but. This whole, look, out, we're 11-1, and, and can we make the playoffs? I, I don't think you're that type of team. I just think, just understand that the film shows that there are real flaws, and let's see how much better they can get relative to the teams that they're playing because everybody's in the same boat trying to get better, and uh, I just think this is a really good team. I said it before. It looks like an 8-4 and four team with a 10-2 and two schedule. I think nine and three is doable. I still think eight and four might be in play. Hopefully for Tennessee fans, it's a nine and three, maybe even 10 and two. Um, I don't see them winning all four of those games. I also don't see them losing those games. And that's the good thing about their schedule is you're going to have to play pretty poorly to lose to South Carolina or Missouri, and you're going to have to play God awful to lose to Vanderbilt. So you're in a good spot and you I mean, you don't have to play teams that, you know, you don't have to play Ole Miss this year. You don't have to play Arkansas, which has some issues. So so you've got a pretty decent break schedule-wise to have a good record. It Does it indicate that this is on the way to a championship? I don't think they're, quite frankly, close with that. Um, hope I'm wrong, but that's how I see it.
3: Yeah, so crazy nugs is says, "LOL, he's talking about me." Eleven and one, here we come, and then the, uh-huh. in, the innocent culprit, twelve <laughs> and zero, go Vols. So
2: gotta have okay. hope, right? Hey, have hope, and look, who's to say? I mean, who's to say? I what what could happen in a given game? I told Amanda this and Dave this before. I didn't predict A&M to beat Alabama last year, and they did it. So in a one-game scenario, you know. So you take care of your business, you beat LSU, you beat Kentucky, and you pull an upset over uh, Georgia or Alabama, you could end up level one. That's a lot of ifs that a lot of good things need to happen, and perhaps it will.
3: Well, we saw a 2013 Auburn team where literally it felt like angels flew out of the sky (laughs) to help the Tigers go to the national title game in which they just got beat by FSU. But realistically, that Auburn team was not very good. And they just had stuff, just people, you know, Georgia, Georgia just laid an egg against them. Basically, Alabama did the same thing. Like, Teams that were better than they were, they still beat. So I'm not saying it's likely, but with the way that Alabama has played or against Texas, let's just take it against Texas, Mm -hmm. the way that they've played against Texas and the way that Georgia just played against, and I can't even remember who it was
2: Kent Kent, Kent State.
3: Kent State. Yeah, I don't know why I couldn't remember that because that's where Sabin went. So, yes. So the way that, both of those teams performed. It, they clearly weren't their greatest you know, performances. What do you see Tennessee, can, can Tennessee capitalize on a performance like that, or do you think Georgia and Alabama will just lock it up?
2: Well, if they catch those teams playing like they did in those games, sure, then game's on. And I do think that Tennessee's offense poses problems for Georgia and Alabama that they don't see in other games that they play, meaning Georgia and Alabama, they don't see offenses quite like Tennessee. So the offense is what is the secret sauce to Tennessee. It is, it's what makes them really difficult to play. Um, it's all about how much better do you get? And that's kind of what we're talking about. Okay. Bye week. And how does Tennessee get, get stuff in the schedule. If you look at, I, I don't look at the Georgia game against Kent state as a trend it, one game, it was sloppy. It's a teaching point. And if you look at Georgia and you look at Alabama, let's take them one at a time, I'd expect Georgia to get better and better. I would expect Missouri to get a slapping this week that is going to be probably more violent than it would have been had they played better against Kent State. Alabama, yeah, Alabama looked sloppy against Florida last year. They looked sloppy against AM. By the end of the year, they were really good. Here's what I do know based upon recent history and in the case a large sample size with alabama they are not only talented but they're well coached meaning they get better and better and better as the year goes along so alabama doesn't have the receiver play that they've had in the past but you start to look at it i think you're going to start to see them get better and better as the year goes along why because all the great receivers they had weren't great. They immediately, they step on. Jamison Williams was, had some experience with Ohio State, and he was a quick adjustment. But all of the guys that they've had, through all the line, we could spend two segments going to all those great guys, but they, mm-hmm. they were developed. They were talented that were developed. So how good would Ja'Cory Brooks be and Trayshawn Holden be and Jermaine Burton be by the end of the year? Maybe really good, maybe just a little bit better. Don't know, but history says Alabama gets better and better as the year goes along. Georgia, much the same way as Alabama. Very talented, very well coached. So you can't count on catching Alabama in Georgia in their worst moments if you're Tennessee or anybody else. You know, maybe they will, maybe they won't. Probably you're they won't. So you're going to have to catch them by playing your best, and they're going to have to be off a little bit. And you're going to maybe – I think the best chance in games like that for Tennessee is to get an early lead, make those teams play from behind, make them press, make them get out of rhythm, make them turn the football over. Then you got a couple of extra possessions for your offense because I think Tennessee's defense is not going to stop people consistently unless they're playing bad offenses but maybe you can get some turnovers. And if you can do that, that's your chance. So I, I don't see chinks in the armor in Alabama or Georgia. I see Alabama and Georgia as not as good right now as they're going to be at the end of the year. That's what I see. But we've got to let it play out because maybe, hopefully, it's not the case, but catastrophic injuries take place. It, it can affect teams. Um, I think there's there's a big gap between Alabama and in Georgia and the rest of the SEC and that includes Tennessee that includes Kentucky that includes anybody else in the West. I think there's a big gap. You know, I hear I heard somebody say today I was on a show the book, that the SEC is really balanced. No, it's not. It's not in the East. You got three really bad teams in the East. Yeah, Um. And a Florida team that's not really that good. And so you got Kentucky and Tennessee that are pretty good teams. And you got Georgia team that's great. In the West, there's more balance. Arkansas is not as good as they were last year, but they're not bad. AM's not very good offensively, but they're not awful. Mississippi State, you know, lost to LSU, but but they're not a bad team. LSU's not a bad team. There's not a bad team in the West. There's three bad teams in my view yeah. in the East.
3: There's Auburn.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Auburn is. Auburn is, Auburn is a mess right now. Yeah, though that's Hot right. They're, they're, a, they're, a, they're a mess. They're, they're the worst looking team in the West right now.
3: Yeah. Um, you hate still, to see it.
2: Yeah, and yet, you know, you line up and play Auburn lines up and plays Vanderbilt. Line up and play Missouri. We saw that as ugly as it was last week. And 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 even though Missouri blew. And we you line up and play South Carolina. I kind of like Auburn in in those three games. You know, and so they're the worst team. That they're they're better than probably the three worst in the in the East. And I'm, and you know, so I, I think there's a lot that needs to be factored. It doesn't mean that that takes away from a Kentucky or a Tennessee. It just means that you need to put it all in perspective and kind of figure this out. In Tennessee, they've beaten Pitt. And and, and again, here's the other thing, Amanda, is you're going to see Pitt be better at the end of the year because that's a good team. And remember, they played without two of their starting defensive linemen against Tennessee, really good ones, and the quarterback only played a half a game. So, uh, you know, those are all parts of it. Pitt will be better, and that win over Pitt will look better for Tennessee down the road. Even though it really wasn't as good a Pitt team as I think Pitt's going to be at the end of the year, still cops. Uh, but I think it factors in when you study the tape eh, that there are limitations still with this this volunteer team.
3: Yes. So, you know, the Georgia game against Kent State and Alabama against Texas could have been catastrophic, but do you know will yes. not be catastrophic. Is a car from Viles Automotive?
2: Very good. Go
3: to Viles Automotive. Yes, I'm trying to learn from Dave. <laughs> Go to Viles, <laughs> Viles Automotive. Grab you a car, and and you will be completely pleased with that and crazy nugs. Lol, Lafrata taking shots at Auburn again. I have to get them. In.
2: Yeah, the Alabama have, you girl has to do yeah. that.
3: They have to get. Never end. miss that
2: shot. She, yes. she might hurt herself if she if she if she pulls that punch. Yeah, it's
3: not a, it's not a great you know it's not a good day unless you have to take uh. a shot at Auburn. So the innocent culprit with has Tennessee almost lost the season to any cupcake teams on their schedule so far. Talking about. Alabama, you know, almost losing to Texas and Georgia almost says almost losing to Kent State, which I don't think is almost a loss, but it was a bad yeah. look. Yeah. They, Do, they, is that a way to measure it, though?
1: Is no, that a good not really. Metric? I mean,
2: here's the thing. Again, they didn't. Uh, Tennessee's, they've t- taken care of business. But no, that's a kind of very simplistic way of saying, OK, well. Well, understand something. You're playing Texas. Texas has lost a few defensive players. So, you know, and remember, they were really looking good against Alabama with Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers has not played since. I, again, I I don't think that's a way to look at it. I and, and look, I don't know that if Tennessee had played Texas that same week that Alabama did, Tennessee might have won by a more prodigious amount. Because mm-hmm. I think Tennessee right now, um, with their receivers, I think there's some things that Tennessee does better offensively than Alabama, and did. So, but that doesn't mean that makes them better going forward. It just means, yeah, he, Alabama could have lost that game. Uh, Alabama did lose to Texas A&M last year. You know, uh, Georgia could have lost as well. They did. Tennessee didn't come close to losing a game, really. I mean, I think that I don't, the, the game against Florida, they made a little closer, but never was overly threatened. Maybe at the end, you had to hold your breath a little bit. Pitt was a little bit in doubt for stretches, but I felt like Tennessee was the better team, uh, particularly with, with slow was out of the game. And I didn't think Pitt could do anything, but the game was a little bit more competitive. And look, you can make the case that Texas was a little bit better at that time. I don't think you can look at, I mean, I think you look at that, that's what fans and media are going to look at and it's fine. To me, what you have to look at and study is how do teams match up and do you have the ability to win in multiple ways? I think Tennessee's got to win with their offense and I think their offense has to help their defense out a lot. And I think alabama and georgia are far more balanced they're more talented across the entire roster so you know i think to me tennessee's more vulnerable in any game maybe not the cupcake games but in in across the wide variety of games are more vulnerable more vulnerable doesn't mean that they're not going to win all their games or whatever I just think they, they're they different looking, and I don't think they're as good because I don't think their defense is good. So we'll see. Tennessee might be able to get it done just with their offense. I've compared Tennessee to what Oklahoma has looked like under Lincoln Riley. They're good offensively and good enough to win the Big 12, but against balanced teams, I think this ultimately is a line of scrimmage league still, and I don't think Tennessee matches up as a line-of-scrimmage physical team. So they have to avoid getting into a physical phone booth matchup. And if they can, that enhances their chances of winning some of these games.
3: Yeah, so I'm going to go to another comment. Dwayne, I don't know how to say your last name, so I'm not going to botch it. Um, Every team has flaws. I'm not saying Tennessee will make the playoffs, but I don't think that Tennessee has played its best game on offense yet. I agree with that, but I also don't think that they have played their best the best defense out there yet and you still have two pretty good defenses you know coming in 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 georgia and alabama especially
2: yeah and i look i said it earlier i didn't i don't think because when you're reading all the stats offensively i don't think tennessee i'm gonna be honest with you by tennessee standards i don't think they've been that good i think they've got a lot better offensive football i don't think they were in rhythm against Florida. I don't think they had a really good rhythm against Pitt. And, and, and that's the two games that I'm looking at. I think Tennessee has got a lot better football in them offensively. A lot better football. Now, I'm hoping that they're healthy so they can do that. Um, I think there's a lot better offense there. But Amanda just said it. You're going up against defenses that are going to be more challenging. And you're going to go on up against better offenses that are going to be able to handle Tennessee's defense and keep the ball away. If Florida could do it, that would be my concern, is Alabama can run the football. You know, a lot of people can run the football against Tennessee and then throw it. You just don't want to get in a shootout. If I'm Alabama, I'm Georgia, I'm anybody, I don't want to get into a shootout against Tennessee. No. I'm, I'm just going to run the football on Tennessee, and I'm going to shorten the game, and I'm going to win at the line of scrimmage. I think teams can do that fairly effectively against Tennessee. Good teams can. Um, I don't think they've played what I would call a really good team yet. Uh, Florida and Pitt, I mean, depends on how you define it. I, I, I grade teams in scale. So you can say that Pitt and Florida are, are pretty good, If depending on how you want to analogy. I would grade them kind of in a low-grade purple, which is solid teams. What I consider really good are what I would call red grade and then blues are the best. I don't think they played one of those teams yet. They're going to play two of them on their schedule. Folks, we're going to know how good Tennessee is. They're going to play Alabama. They're going to play Georgia. That's two of the three best teams in the country. That's going to determine how good they are. I, you know, I think that LSU and Kentucky are winnable games and are losable games. That probably are the two games that are going to, find to define their season because I don't think their season should be defined on beating Alabama or Georgia, but I think beating Kentucky and LSU, particularly LSU this year is doable for Tennessee, but it's also losable too. I think that if LSU plays their best game, LSU's got a lot of things that could cause problems for Tennessee, just like Tennessee can control for LSU and same thing for Kentucky.
3: Yeah, so Crazy Nugs asked me a question, and I will answer that when we come back.
4: Gary Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli-style subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need and we appreciate your business.
0: Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's Air.
4: This is Al's This Barbecue Supplies, so come on in and see all the different rubs and sauces we have, plus a complete line of Green Mountain Grills. Don't be overwhelmed, we have plenty of help so you can produce the best barbecue and amaze your family and friends. Barbecue is America's food, and we'll do what we can. To bring you all the best products. We're Al's Nest Barbecue, where Chattanooga goes to grill. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vassy Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vassi, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassys, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive.
3: All right, welcome back. Crazy Nugs with Tennessee is Kentucky's daddy. Well, those are shots fired, aren't they? <laughs>
0: they
2: yeah. had a lot of success against
3: them. Yeah, and the innocent culprit. I don't think Heupel has shown his whole hand yet. What I've seen has been conservative by standards. I agree with that as well. Um, and then Sam Hargrove with agree, talking about what John said. Tennessee fans need to realize better talent is on the way and stay off the fire. The coach BS. If you guys start that fire, the coach BS, I can't deal. I can't deal with that. Like I can't. I can't deal with it. Heupel is a great coach. He is a. I mean when. I mean, this is how I'm gonna transition into the question that Crazy Nugs asked me. Like, share, and subscribe to to YouTube. Go to AuthoicSports.com. We have the latest news, all that. Tennessee, talking, talking Tennessee like crazy over there. When I am a fan of a rival of Tennessee's, and I don't like the coach, you know, you got a good one, because. And Heupel's a good dude. I'm not saying anything about his personality. As a fan, I don't want Heupel to be there anymore because I, like Crazy Nuggets asked, am I scared of Alabama coming to, you know, Knoxville? Yes, I am. Hands down, I'm scared of it. I don't, you know, Knoxville's never a great, you know, environment for opposing teams as we've seen. Right. But that rivalry this is the not the first year cuz i'm always nervous about it but this is the first year i dread that game like i i, I honestly dread that game i'm at my stomach's going to be tied up in knots i think that tennessee is again they haven't shown everything that they've had have, have yet Um, and the innocent culprit with, I don't think Heupel has shown his whole hand yet. What I've seen has been conservative by his standards. I would agree. I don't think he's shown his whole hand, whole hand yet. And yes, as an, as an opposing fan, that makes me nervous. So to answer your question, crazy nugs, yes, yes, I am nervous. I do not know about Tennessee being Kentucky's daddy though. I I don't know. I don't know how that works, but. Yes, I am very nervous about that game. So coach Landry, if Georgia and Alabama if we've seen them perform poorly this season, but it's early on in the season. And that that to me gives me a moment to pause because last last year Alabama did didn't do well against a Florida team, but the Florida team got up. I mean, they were up for, you know, at the beginning of the year. This year, it seems like we're seeing these teams go down early on. Like we saw Notre Dame go down. We saw Texas m go down. And normally we don't see that till further along in the season where injuries are piling up, things like that. What do you think if the reason is that we're seeing these major teams struggle early on?
2: Well, I think what's happening in, in a couple of cases is you have teams that are more talented but are deficient in certain areas. So let's take like a and um, we Went with Hayden's King at quarterback. No passing game. Um, they, they were limited what they can do. And you're playing an Appalachian State team that's pretty good. They really are a pretty good team. And they are senior-laden experienced. And so I think sometimes earlier in the year, you know, what you get, again, you never stay the same. You either get better or you get worse. So I think when you can catch a team at the right time, like in the early part of the season, I think it's it, it depends on what type of team you got coming back. Uh, if you're a team that's got some question marks, you know, a, a more talented team, you know, a big-time program that's got some real holes in a certain spot, you have a hard time maybe figuring out earlier, then you figure it out. But if, and so if you end up playing a quote unquote a lesser team that's maybe not over is overall as talented, but has really good chemistry, has really good experience that can give you some problems in some way, shape, or form, and all of a sudden pull the upset. I mean, I think very often if you played those games later in the year, maybe the outcome is different. But as you mentioned, it depends. Sometimes you have a really good team. That gets off to a good start, then you have injuries. Well, the reason why the better teams are the better or the better programs are the better programs is they have better depth. The teams say, "Well, well, this team has injuries, that team has injury." The same thing. It's not. If you're not as good of a program, if you're not as good of a team, injuries of your frontline players are going to hurt you more than somebody that has greater depth. So, you know, I kind of look at it like this. If your program like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, hate to say it, but they don't need to play very well to win most of their games. I mean, they're gonna line up and win most of their games, even if they don't play very well. And and that I think they know that too. And I think like Georgia, they didn't play inspired. Well that it's frustrating as a coach. It's not an indication of there's any problems at Georgia. It means nothing, in my opinion, other than they just weren't really fired up. I mean, you think Miami, and they're not very good. You think they are that much worse than Middle Tennessee. They got hammered by Middle Tennessee. They weren't ready to play. They just, you know, so this happens a lot. So the better teams, you know, that if you build a program with elite level talent, like the three that I mentioned, and i think clemson's been in that group too over recent years of you know past to where you don't have to play your best you still find a way to win and so people don't care about anything other than whether you win or not as a coach i'm just trained differently it's about how you play because how you play determines whether you're going to win and who you can win against and what are your limitations so fans in the media understandably and rightly so they just won. They're four and zero. They're this. They're that. To me, you know, uh, I don't look at Alabama as flawed. I mean, they're flawed by Alabama standards. They're not this elite, dominant, but they're still one of the three best teams in the country. They may not win it this year, which for them is a bad year, but they're still better than everybody else in the SEC, with the possible exception of Georgia. It doesn't mean that somebody can't do what Texas did, you know, and almost beat them, or what Flo- uh, Florida did last year, almost beat them, or what AM did and beat them. It can happen. It's not that Tennessee can't beat Alabama. They can. It's just a much more narrow path. There are more ways in which Alabama could win it. And if they played 10 times, Alabama probably wins 7 or 8 out of 10. You only play once. And if you have that game, you can do it. And to your point, as you being an Alabama fan, mm-hmm. it's a tough match. It's a tough matchup defensively. It is a sleepless nights to have to defend this Tennessee offense, and that's Tennessee's, you know, kryptonite. They have to be great on offense. I've mentioned it; they're not sharp uh, as sharp on offense as they need to be because. They didn't play well, I'd have thought, against Pitt overall offensively, not to their capabilities. And I thought Florida took them out of their rhythm. So I think the formula to beat Tennessee is to take them out of their rhythm by getting their offensive flow mixed up, by by holding the football on their defense. People are going to beat Tennessee by how they're able to work Tennessee's defense. They're going to lose to Tennessee mainly because of their offensive output and the ability – To help their own defense, Tennessee's defense, I mean, play better with a lead or make an opposing offense one-dimensional. So it's stylistically and strategically and studying of personnel that I look at to determine what maybe is the ceiling or the floor of each of the teams. I'm fully aware in doing this for a lot of times that anything can happen in any game at any time. It's football. It's what makes it fun. It's the greatest reality TV there is. Because even though we know what's going to happen, we don't always know because stuff happens.
3: Yep, exactly. Stuff always happens. So let's go back to the today's tough question. We'll revisit that. Uh, before we do, electric bikes are a new thing. Uh, never have been on one. But if I'm going to go on one, I'm going to go to Pettigo of Chattanooga. And I will ride that thing because I have never, I've seen them. I'm not exactly sure. How they work, but I know they help you if you have to go up steep hills and stuff like that. They're good for for elderly people and probably good for people who just turned thirty six, like I did. So today's 36. question: it,
2: You, you know, thirty six? I thought you were like twenty six. You seriously a thirty six?
3: I love you, Coach Landry, and yes, I'm thirty six.
2: Oh my goodness! Well, I you know you're you're right at the age of my nieces, so I. I thought, I thought, you know, you're a lot younger than my nieces, but you're yeah. kind of in that age. You actually yeah. are. You thank would you. be my youngest niece of all of my five. So well, but oh. anyway, but you, I thought you were younger by a lot margin. So, okay.
3: Well, thank you. I will take that. Um, so today's tough question. College football QB power rankings are out. Hannon Hooker sits sixth. Behind C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Drake May, Caleb Williams, and Grayson McCall, which quarterback would you take to lead your team? Uh, In the lead with with 69% is Hendon Hooker. I figured that was going to be the case. Second is Bryce Young with 17%. Third is CJ Stroud with 13%. And Caleb Williams from USC has zero. And I'm kind of wondering, is that because people yeah. really <laughs> hate USC right now because of what the Brew McCoy situation. And I'm betting that might have a little right. bit. Yeah, a little bit.
2: Just a little bit.
3: Just a little, a little bit, bit to do with it. And then on the, there we are. There it is. Got to find stuff on the computer. So, on the uh, just recruiting notes, uh, Tennessee quarterback coach may have found his quarterback for the 2024 class. This is a story on offthehooksports.com. And he's been pursuing a quarterback called Jake Merklinger. Is it Merklinger?
2: Merklinger, yes.
3: It's a good young player.
2: And you want to get one every year. And obviously, Mm -hmm. um, I think you need to do that, particularly in this day. You don't know how many of them are going to stay. So, you got to... stockpile the cabinet
3: (laughs) yes so he's talking about um tennessee's quarterback's coach that he came to the game came to the game winning play at elca he came to watch me for a little bit so that meant a lot and i'm really excited to get to get back up there to see Neeland. i mean they're winning which is something that attracts me that's nice And the offense is super fast, super high energy. They throw the ball a lot. So it's something that'd be fun to play in. So it was a four-star prospect, um, Eagles landing Christian Academy, and he threw a 73-yard strike to ensure the win. So that is uh, on the recruiting news for Tennessee. that That is where they sit. So going forward, Amanda's still a spring chicken. Thank you i don't feel like a spring chicken (laughs) i feel like an old chicken but i appreciate the confidence in that so college football playoff committee yes yes they have gotten together once again in hopes of pushing this you know the expanding to 12 in 2024, but have not reached a decision because it's at kind of a stalemate.
2: I'm hearing um, that there's a good chance. Still, there's a lot of optimism still that we could get this as early as 2024. Now, Let's refresh everybody. We know that the playoffs are definitely starting 2026, but I think, very strongly that it's going to be 2025. And I think there's a possibility it could be 2024. Here's what they're trying to look at, because it's not just the playoffs that they're looking at. They have to, in order to make this work, what the plan is, Amanda and everybody, is they want to take, you know how we call it week zero? Mm-hmm. They're thinking now that's going to be week one. So you think about that date, that whatever that last August date, They're going to move it up a week because what they want is to have the conference championship games to be on Thanksgiving weekend. So everything would be moved up a week to accommodate playoffs in the, you know, the stretch run so that we don't extend the season. And we have what I think is a real void. I think one of the problems in college football, and it's my view anyway, is that December? December is awful. You know, it's a great regular season. We have the first week with the conference championship games, which is the first week in December. And then, look, I love the bowl games. I watch them all. I'm one of the the, the, the knuckleheads and and the the, uh, sycophants that watch all the bowl games. But I'm looking at a lot of things, players and whatnot. But most Mm -hmm. of those games are not really good. And you take a month off and then you have the playoffs. You know, obviously, I think if you do it right, the month of December for college football could be what March is for college basketball. I, I think that. So they're trying to figure all that. I think it's doable. I mean, I think TV is not going to be a problem I'm hearing because it's not going to really, I mean, they're going to work together and make that work. And it's money is Money's I, money. I I, I think the, the only thing is just moving everything schedule-wise for everybody. This involves everybody having to make that adjustment to moving up week one to where week zero is now. It's doable. I'm not an expert on hotel management or anything. I think it is doable to fix a lot of the, certainly as it relates to the playoffs and things. I think it's doable. I don't know. I mean, you never know if, if, if they can fix this, but I. It, it seems like, and I don't know why It's frustrating because they have a meeting to decide that they're going to have another meeting in October. It's kind of like, so I think though, we got to get really close. We need to have something finalized by October if we're going to have it in 2024. I mean, you can't extend it further. So, look, the best I can gather is we're good for 2026, definitely. We know that. I think we're really good for 2025. I think that's going to happen. 2024, we need to get on a stick to get that done. But I think it's doable. So, yeah, you know, we got... One or two more years uh, after this year of the way we're doing it, and then we're off to the 12-team playoff, and then it's going to be interesting to see how the dynamics could change. Because now I'm gonna I'm gonna take you into a 12-team playoff right now, right now this year. Yeah. Well, Tennessee and Kentucky, people like that, they got a real shot. The problem for Tennessee and Kentucky is you got to get through Alabama and Georgia. Well, 14 playoff, it's folks, it's probably not going to happen. If I put Tennessee or Kentucky in the big 12, I think they can compete with Baylor in Oklahoma state in Oklahoma, and they might be able to win that league and they might have a better chance of being 12 and or 11 and one. And, you know, I think Whereas if you're talking about a 12-team playoff, if you've got a good third, fourth team in the SEC, they've got a shot. So that potentially is a Tennessee or a Kentucky if they're able to continue. And, and you know, let's just say they're 10-2. and two. You know, that 10-2 and two with a maybe a competitive loss to Alabama, Georgia, or if they would have beat one of those teams, they're in. You know, In this year's playoffs, it's, it's, yeah, you're going to have to win the conference title if you're, that's tough. That's, that's a a big ass to beat maybe one or both of them. And then, oh, by the way, go and beat Alabama maybe a second time or beat them in the, you know, play them a second time and beat them. So I think this is going to create an environment, even for those programs that are the Pac 12, which is, you know, having some issues and uh, others that, they are good enough to make a 12-team playoff, but now the the bar is going to be, can you get the team to the playoffs? Kind of like the NCAA, you, you should, are you a tournament team or not? Well, once you do that, then you could sell your program. And so like a program like Tennessee, who's basically trying to be good, but they might be bumping their head up against the ceiling with Alabama and Georgia, if you can be a playoff team, And all of a sudden, on a regular basis, and then, you know, a Nick Saban retires whenever he retires, then maybe you can be that, you know, get to that next level. But I think this makes it very difficult in the current format for for teams like Kentucky and Tennessee that I don't look at them, and I don't think they're playoff teams in a 14 playoff. But a 12-team playoff, I can make that case. An Ole Miss, not going to the playoffs, okay, not going to happen. It's a good team. We'll see what they do against Kentucky. Had a really good season last year. They're not a playoff team in a 14 playoff. 12 team? Yeah, maybe Maybe. so. You know, and that makes a difference because you get hot, you get the right seating. We all know what it's done in basketball. Basketball's a different sport. It's it's a tournament sport. Football's not. But 12 teams opens it up to a lot more people, not just in other conferences, but in this SEC, it opens it up to the teams that are not named Georgia and Alabama, which are right now on a different level. They're recruiting at a different level.
3: Yes, they definitely are. Um, do you – so when it comes to what we're talking about, Ole Miss, I do not think Ole Miss is a good team. Just based on eye test, I, I don't know if it's just the – the transfer portal, or, or what have you, if that's what, you know, Lane Kiffin has, you know, gotten his players out of. And I understand that he has to, given the limitations at Ole Miss, but they do not, to me, look like a, a, a good team. What is your opinion? And I know you said good team. They were, you know, okay yeah, last yeah, year, but what is yeah. your opinion on yeah. them this year so far? I
2: thought they were better last year. I, I think they're a really good running team. They got three outstanding running backs. Jackson dart has been fine. Uh, He's, but it's the running game. I I really have concerns about their defense. Um, I don't think they're very good defensively. Um, I knew Tulsa would give them a a game last week. They gave them quite the game. And I don't think that's just all they weren't ready for. I I just think this team is going to struggle against good offenses. Um, you know, um, so they're going to – but they can run the football well, and that helps your defense because, you know, you can you can be fresher and you can have, you know, less time on the field. I, I look at this game where Kentucky is the more balanced team. Kentucky's better defensively than Ole Miss. Kentucky's getting good play out of Will Levis and the receiving core – They haven't run the football as well as Kentucky normally does it. They get Chris Rodriguez back, but it is in Oxford, and I think turnovers are a big factor. It always is. So I think this game's intriguing. If it was in Lexington, I'd feel a little bit stronger about it, but I still think Kentucky's the better team. We'll see if they win the game or not. But, look, I'm with you. I think Ole Miss is is good. I I don't think they're special. I thought last year they had some special qualities to them that they lacked, and their special quality was – quarterback and look at, I mean, he just kind of put them on their back. They don't have that Jackson Dart Can't do that. Uh, but I can tell you, I think they're better at running back this year. I think they got three guys that are, can really do it. So it's a good team. I think the West, as I said, I think state's pretty good. I think, you know, like, uh, Ole Miss is pretty good. I think Alabama, I mean, I think Arkansas is pretty good. Um, I think Ellis is pretty good. Just, just mentioned Auburn is really struggling. Everybody's pretty good. And then you got Alabama, uh, which is not playing their best ball by their standards, but they're still, even what they are now, or better than everybody else in the West. And I think the yes. West is a tougher, week in and week out, is tougher than the East because, as we said before, I think you got a Florida team that's not nearly as good as there will likely be in the future. And you got three opponents that, quite frankly, If you're a Tennessee and Kentucky, you should beat very easily. So I think it's a little softer in the East, personally.
3: Yes. So, and I know that Crazy Nucks just said Kiffin to Auburn. I've heard that rumor. I don't think that is beyond impossible.
2: It's not impossible. Uh, He's been mentioned. Um, Hugh Freeze is a guy that they were very interested in. At least um, Jimmy Rain and the big boosters were uh when they were trying to push out brian harson last year uh, it'll be interesting to see those or two names to keep in mind there will be some others there's a very strange operations there at auburn and uh, right now who's going to make the call going to be the boosters? going to get an athletic director involved can get one of those those are always different issues, but Auburn's, uh, Auburn's is always very, uh, an interesting, it's a soap opera, uh, that, that is fitting of daytime television, no question yeah. And on the planes.
3: Yes. And I know Q freeze is one of the coaches that beat Nick Saban and that twice. You know, yes.
2: At Ole Miss. And, and that two matters times, a, two years in a row. Yeah, he absolutely yeah, does. That and matters he's done a, a good job everywhere. He's been really did a really good job at Ole Miss. You know, we know what happened at the end, and he's doing a very good job at Liberty. And he's just taking vagabonds and plugging them in. You know, he's he's a good coach. And he can cause a lot of problems. And he's also an outstanding recruiter. Yeah. Um, and so if you can deal with that, I don't know what the SEC thinks about it. Let me remind folks that Nick Saban wanted to hire Freeze on his staff a couple of years ago. And the SEC office kind of put the kibosh on it. I don't know how they feel about it. The SEC office and his background is not the whole morality stuff with his burner phone, but the NCAA stuff. That, that, that'll be interesting to see, but he's certainly someone – I thought that if I were South Carolina, I would have made that move on him because I think he would have been a really good fit uh, there as well. But I think he's a good coach. I really do.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Unfortunately, I agree with that. <laughs>
2: yeah and i mean it's kind of I kind of feel dirty sometimes saying that you know he's a good coach and he's a good fit as a football coach i, I don't know that he's a fit for you as a program I and mean, he wasn't for south carolina i talked to those folks in the coaching church about it and you know i said look as a football coach this is what i think really really good it's not a fit for you hey there's every bit of reason to say i don't want that guy coaching my team i completely understand that and that's that's teaches all
3: yeah, absolutely. Um, I know Orange Blood said uh, week zero is a ridiculous term. Whenever football starts is week one. No one starts counting, saying zero, one, two. My question on that: Do you think they started this week zero thing to transition into an easier way to move the college football schedule up?
2: I don't think so. But I mean, to the point, the what call it week zero? You're right. That's goofy that's beside the point the whole point i'm trying to make is what they're discussing is moving this what is what we call week 1 now regardless how you think if week 1 is really week 2 what i'm saying is that first week that's that labor day weekend week mm-hmm. would be the second week of the college football season going forward now if they do this they would put the games the five games in that first week it would be everybody playing in that first week. So the question would be, would you have five games the week before? and in almost middle of August, you know, I, I don't know, but that's what their discussion is. Just so we understanding, I'm not advocating calling week zero week one. It's what people call it is that we'd be moving up a week. And that's, I don't think anybody have a problem with it. Fans are fans. It's a little hotter and all of that, but, we get it in to have the season and have the playoffs people that are in favor of the playoffs are gonna gonna like it start the season that that much earlier yes
3: and i know when we were in atlanta for sec media days we actually talked to and i want to say it's a college football playoff commissioner is that Oh, uh, you, you might have
2: talked to uh yeah um yes uh, yeah, I'm drawing a blank. I know the guy. Yeah, yeah. The uh yeah, I know who you're talking about. I'm, I'll think about it here in a second. Uh, yes, the chairman. Yes, yeah. the
3: chairman. yes, the chairman. Yes, the little round with guy with the glasses.
2: Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah, I know, I know and exactly.
3: I asked him. I said, "So, moving forward on a 12-team playoff, how would you how would you do that?" And and his his thing is we would ex- just extend the schedule out. So, with that being said, I know there's a lot of um, stories coming out about the the playoff expansion going in and messing up, like competing head to head with with NFL. On that,
2: yes, yes, that's the other thing they have to look at scheduling wise. The, the one thing they've tried to avoid is, you know, playoff wise, you don't want to get caught up in playing on. Up against the NFL folks, we all love, you know, the the uh, college football, but the the, the NFL, you know, is is the king and you don't want to hurt your overall um, numbers, television numbers, because that's what leads to uh, to the. The money that comes about, you know that that's so rich and so, so they they're they're cognizant of that. And I know many fans say, well, "I'm going to watch the playoffs over the end." Well, it's not about that. Is they want to have as many eyeballs as they can, and they know that the people that are huge fans of college football are going to watch it all the time. Uh, if it's me, I don't care. I'm going to have multiple games on the TV, but I'd rather have it to where I can focus on college football at a certain time, and you know. College football, uh, pro foot, uh, the NFL on a on a time, and that's what they want. They want the casual fan to come into that, and they don't want to be split up with the NFL. So they've got to they've got to work with that on on where things uh, will go.
3: Yeah, and I think we should touch more on that tomorrow. Um, let's get to. I know we've ran super long, so let's get to message board bingo. And I don't have the crazy music back here. I don't have the the, the
2: crazy music.
3: Space music. So, first one I'm going to read is coming from a Big 12 school. A high school coach coach circles around him. So, smoke them if you got them, boys, because we are screwed. And we'll give everyone 10 seconds to post your guests, guests, guesses, if you want to guess on message board bingo. very bad at like handling stuff does Landry win his shirt if he gets it right
2: I uh, don't know. no. If he no, wants no. I, I don't think I'm eligible I don't think I'm eligible for it no 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 I I um could you could you repeat it again
3: absolutely so if we finish or no sorry a high school coach coached circles around him so smoke them if you got him boys because we are screwed and no, Crazy Knights is not Oklahoma. Uh it's well,
2: a good let guess. Let me let me know when we want to give the folks time. I let me know when I'll answer it whenever you want me.
3: Yeah. Oh, Big twelve think. school. You go ahead. We had Oklahoma and Nebraska.
2: but um, it's it's uh it's Jory McGuire and the job that he did at Texas Tech against Texas last week in Lubbock.
3: So, so it would be jo- yeah, Texas.
2: It, Joey McGuire is, was high school coach, great high school coach in the state of Texas. Did a great job in Lubbock last week, um, and it's done a really good job thus far this year. They beat um, Steve Sarkeesian in uh, Texas this past week. Um, yeah. So that's the uh, that's what happened there. So literally, um, you know, I guess the Texas folks are ready, yeah you know, they- Jumping yeah. jumping off the curve there because uh, they got beat by, quote-unquote, a high school coach, a, very good, coach. Though uh, enjoy yeah. McGuire.
3: So I have. Let's do one more. So Hugh Freeze, he will be named the head coach before the end of next week. Ten seconds. I can't sing, or I would do like the Jeopardy thing. So that
2: so that's a yes or no thing.
3: It's a well, it's a which um which message board like which school's message board. Oh did this come out at
2: like, oh uh okay well i think yeah. we know where think, that is that's pretty obvious i think we just kind of gave that a little bit earlier
3: yes but, yes i figured we'd end on that so one
2: i think so that's yes. where you that's where you'd say uh it's the message board that says something war something yeah exactly war, crazy war, nugs war, war bird War, War War Eagle. No, just War Eagle. yes
3: we don't know what their mascot is but um yeah crazy nugs guessed it it is there auburn so crazy all nugs right of it. Yeah. yes so like subscribe share share to uh fans that don't even like tennessee because we cover everything sec nfl all of that and we didn't even get to the game tonight with Joe uh, Joe Burrow versus Tua, if Tua even plays. We didn't yeah, even talk we'll
2: see if Tua's back. It's going to be a fun game if Tua plays, Jalen Waddle plays, uh, the back issue, game time decision. If he can play, I think he's going to play, but I don't have any insight <laughs> into that. It's just my gut feeling on it. And, uh, again, real quick, Amanda mentioned it earlier. God bless everyone out there. I know we all have seemingly have friends, family in the Florida area. And if you're in, you know, in the path, uh, be safe. And as this storm may cause some at least flooding problems elsewhere, so the best to everyone. And folks, keep an eye out. It's not that important in the relative sense, but we know that um, Florida's game against Eastern Washington is going to be on Sunday. Right now, Florida State Wake Forest is staying at two thirty. Uh, it looks like um, uh, Kansas City and Tampa Bay. Maybe played in Tampa. It might be played in Minnesota. They may move that game because of it. So uh, again, not that the uh, football is all that important in the grand scheme of things, but if you're watching and following and uh, there's some, there's some weather happening and uh, we wish the best for everybody. Yes.
3: Absolutely. Wish the best for everyone. So uh, thanks guys for, and thank you coach Landry for being a part of the show. Hopefully maybe you could join me tomorrow. We'll see.
2: Um, yeah, sure. I, I will. Uh, I will be a round. I've got a. Uh, I've got a. i have got i have got ai got another show at seven thirty. But we'll we'll talk. Yeah, I can. I can jump in there right. after I get done with them. Absolutely. So you let me know. Hey, great. Thank you for having me. Great job, Amanda, and thanks for everybody that contributed. It's always more enjoyable when folks can chime in and ask whatever. So great job, everybody. You got some really sharp that's- listeners.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. This has been Off the Hook Sport.